Om Sanser Swati Namaha Namaste. Tonight we're going to begin chapter 5 of the Devi Gita on page 110. And uh, we've got a little more explanation about Maya and Shakti and Chaitanya. We're using the, those three terms interchangeably in this text. Maya, Shakti, Chaitanya. Maya is Shakti Tattva. Chaitanya is Shiva Tattva. And uh, this Maya, uh, Shakti, and uh, uh, Chaitanya, or, or, or Maya, is used as the Ardhanarishwar Tattva. Isn't that fun? Yeah, she is the measurement of the totality of existence. She is Ardhanarishwar, or Ishwar Tattva. So we have the first three principles in our 36 principles of Tantra. And the goddess said, my Maya Shakti. Now the Maya, the Shakti, is mine. <laughs> Creates this entire universe with objects moving and unmoving. This Maya is conceived in me. In reality, it is not different or separate from me. So it's conceived within her because she is infinite. And it's not separate from her because she is within every form of Maya. Every form has a limitation, and that limitation, that boundary, that definition is Maya. Judging by the perceptions of behavior, it is called Vidya, knowledge, or Maya, illusion. Ah, we have another definition for Maya. The Maya of Shankya, the illusion which obscures the reality. But perceiving from the reality of the supreme principle, in truth, only one supreme principle exists. Uh, so she, she is the one supreme per principle. She is Muldhattva. She is the primary existence. She is Sadashiv. She is Shakti. She is Ishwar. And then she becomes the Maya, which obscures all of the reality and makes us think that you're an individual and you're an individual and you're an individual, which is separate from God. That's not true. <laughs> you can forget that one right away. This is I. So This is I, the entire perceivable creation and dissolution as well. So you can see me with your eyes open, you can see me with your eyes closed, doesn't matter to me. I am the only one you can see. Everything that moves and moves not. If in creation I am present and when it's all dissolved and there is Mahapraloi and there is nothing perceptible by the consciousness of any other, that's me too. Oh, mountain! Remember, we're telling the story she's telling to the Himalayas, you know, uh, how you be a good dad. United with Maya and the various actions, I enter within as the life force. So now I am prana. I am the force of existence. I am the life of existence. I am the shakti of existence. I am the substratum of existence. It all Depends on me. Pretty responsible position you have there. 
Miss Maya, if I did not reside within all beings as the substance called as consciousness, how shall we describe continuous becoming and various distinctions of Maya? So I am in the form of energy. I am in the form of consciousness. I reside within the creation as Maya. The great limitation, the boundary, the definition of every individual Vekti phenomenon in Maya. And if I didn't reside within, how could you describe it? How could it be called something else? How could there be a rup? And how could be there a now? How, where would the form come from and where would the name of that form come from if I, it wasn't for me? I appear to be many because of the distinctions in attributes. There, there are various upadis, kalas, attributes. The gunas are constantly in flux, in motion, and these differentiate between limited space and unlimited space, objects which are high or low, or the illuminator from the illumined. So remember, if we take our container, and this is a container, and this container, the space inside the container is no different from the outside space. The space inside is called Gat Akash. The space outside is called Maha Akash. Unlimited. It's still Akash. Now you tell me what's the difference between what's in the pot and what's outside the pot. The only difference is the pot. All you potheads would understand that. The only difference is the pot. If you've got good pot, you've got a definition. You've got a container. You've got a boundary for the substance within, which is space. And if you have no pot, the outside the pot, you have unlimited space. The only difference is the pot, the container, the boundary, the definition, the limitation. And that's why she is called the great limitation of consciousness. She has defined the consciousness by the boundaries of the container. So now she differentiates between objects that are high and low, contained space and unlimited space, the illuminator from the illumined, or the perceiver from the object of perception. I am not the performer of evil, nor am I ever connected with any fault or error. People ascribe buddhi, intelligence, and other attributes of activity to me. I'm not the doer. <laughs> and that's a good one for all of us to remember. I am not the doer. They say that the soul is the performer of action. This is thought by the foolish and not by the wise. If you're a fool, you say, I am the doer. I meaning my soul. This is thought by the foolish and not the wise. Thus, the ignorance of duality creates two distinctions in mind. Jiva and Ishwara are the two divisions conceived in Maya, just as contained or enclosed space is distinguished from unlimited space. So Jiva is the contained soul. 
And uh, Ishwara is the unlimited soul. Just as Gat Akash is the contained space and Maha Akash is the unlimited space. In the same way, the individual souls are conceived as separate from the Supreme Soul, and the individual souls are thought to be many, while Maya is one with its own self. That's the Maya of Vedanta. She is one and totally contained within her own self. And we think all of these various forms with various attributes and various uh, upadis and kalas and guns, which way they are, they, they, and qualities and characteristics which are being exhibited specifically by each individual phenomena, we think them to be separate. But they are actually one with the Supreme Soul. There cannot be many Ishwaras because this is not within the intrinsic nature of Maya. God is one. <laughs> there can't be many gods. Well, there can be a lot of illuminated beings. Deep means to light. Deep means shining with light. And Dave means, Dave and I would know, those who have been illuminated with light. We call them gods. A simple form of saying, hey, all you beings who have been illuminated with light, you are as gods to us because you represent the illuminated particle of the supreme Maya, or Ishwara, or Sadashiva, or Shakti, as be our label. Uh, differences only exist in bodies, organs, and various attributes. Now, I can distinguish the body. Your body is different from your body, and you're nobody until somebody loves you. And the various bodies and the organs and the attributes are different, but the soul is the same. Ignorance is the cause of the apparent differences in jivas and nothing else. I look at you as being different and I'm pretty stupid, according to the text. I just translated it, I didn't write it. I'm pretty stupid because I see that you are Ekatman, you're Adaitya, and you're Devananda, and you're Rami Mami, and everybody has is his or her own quality, characteristic, attribute uh, uh, that distinguishes and differentiates them, their own. The containers are different, but the contents are the same. The, all these containers contain the Supreme Soul. The variations of the three gunas, the qualities of nature and the distinctions in their intrinsic nature support the world. That's continuous transformation and variation in the gunas, in the qualities, in the attributes, in the activities of every phenomenon in the world. Maya is the supreme indivisible existence <coughs> and certainly there is no other. It's all interwoven into the Maya. All existence is interwoven in me. 
and I support all that is supported. Dwityam na mamapra. Remember, she said, I am the only one in existence here, and there is no second. Watch as all the, the variations of Shakti enter into me, and I stand alone. Uh, she says that to Shumba in the 10th chapter. Uh, Maya is the supreme indivisible existence, and certainly there is no other. I am Ishwar in the causal body. I am the Sutratma in the subtle body, and I am Birat. In the gross body, I have all that is perceivable or potentially perceivable, Maharlok. I am all that is conceivable in the Jnana-lok. And I am the Ishwara in, this, in the Karan Sharir, the Karan Deho. I am that ordinary Ishwara, Ishwara, Sadasiva, Shakti. They are all part of me. I am Brahma, Vishnu, and Rudra. I am their partners, <coughs> Gauri, Brahmi, and Vaishnavi. I am the sun and I am the moon. Remember chapter 11 of the Bhagavad Gita. I am everything and it's all taking place in me. <laughs> I am the stars and I am the intrinsic nature of beasts and birds and chandalas and even I am the thief. I am the hunter, the performer of cruel actions. I am the performer of harmonious and truthful actions. I am the virtuous great souls. I am the female, the male, and the one of no sex. Somewhere in between. <laughs> of this, there is no doubt. Whatever exists, anything that can be seen or heard, I am present there both within and without the, 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 the great expanse of space is, is the same as the contained space. The, the contents within and the, the attributes without are the same. I am <coughs> both within and without. In every individual phenomenon of existence, there I eternally reside. There is nothing in existence, whether moving or unmoving, that can exist without me. If one were to postulate the perception of such an existence, it is like the son of a barren woman. If she is barren, she probably doesn't have a son. <laughs> it's a logical fallacy and a total impossibility. Just as a rope may be mistaken for a coiled snake, in the same way I appear in various forms as the ruler of all, and as Gauri, and as Lakshmi, and as Saraswati, and as Chandi, and as Maheshwari, and as Kali, and as Srima. In the same way I appear, just like you look at the, the rope and think of a snake, in the same way, you look at the murti and you think of me. Of this, there is no doubt. Nishondeha satyam satyam punaha satyam. It is true, it is true, again it is true. 
existence cannot be conceived without a substratum, and my being is the substratum of all. There can be no other. Himalaya said, O oh, supreme ruler of the gods, you speak of the universal soul of existence. O oh, goddess, if you would show me your grace, I desire to see this. Remember when Krishna, Arjuna asked Krishna, let me see what you, what you look like as the infinite being? Well, Vyas said, hold on to your seats. <laughs> Hearing these words of request, Vishnu and all the other gods agreed with him with great felicity. They all said, hey, good idea, Himalaya. This sounds really cool. We're all going to get a glimpse at infinity. We're going to get to see her virat form. And then the goddess of goodness, who is like a milk cow to fulfill the desires of de devotees. She's like a comedino. She says, okay, I am, the, I am the, the fulfiller of all desires, and just come and milk me, and you can all get nourished. Knowing the wish of the gods, she showed her imperceivable form in order to fulfill the desires of their devotion. They saw the great goddess in the highest and greatest perceivable form, the Birat as far as you can perceive. Heaven is her head, and the sun and the moon are her eyes. The directions are her ears, and the Vedas are her words, and the wind are, is known as her breath. The universe is her heart, and the earth is the lower part of her legs or calves. The atmosphere is her navel, and the circles of light or asterisms are her thighs. The Mahalok, the fourth level of consciousness, Bur, Bua, Swa, Maha, fourth level of consciousness, known as the cosmic or infinite perceivable existence, is her neck. And then Janalok, the fifth level of consciousness, known as the infinite body of knowledge, is her face. The Tapalok, the sixth level of consciousness, Bur, Bua, Swa, Maha, Janaha, Kaha, Satyam. The Tapalok is the sixth level of consciousness known as the infinite body of light is her forehead. Situated just below the Satyalok, Satyam. The seventh level of consciousness known as the infinite body of truth, otherwise Satyananda. True existence, consciousness, bliss. Indra is in her two arms, and sound is in the ear of the great ruler of all. The Ashwin twins, Nashaktadrasho, uh, are situated in her nose, and scent is remembered as the knowledge of the organ of smell. Fire is in her mouth, and day and night are like her two wings. Brahma is situated in her eyebrows. Water is famous, famous on her palate. Nectar is on her tongue. Yum, the god of death, is famous as her large teeth. Love is in her teeth. Maya is in her smile. The entire creation is in her side. Glances along with liberation. And modesty is on her upper lip.
gain is on her lower lip. The path of ideal action is at her back. Prajapati, Lord of all beings born, is at her organ of generation, the creator of the perceivable universe. The oceans are her hips, the mountains are her bones, the rivers are her veins, the trees are the hairs of her body. Childhood, youth, and old age are her best positions. Clouds are her handsome hair. The two junctions between day and night shine forth as her clothing. Those are the sandhyas, two sandhyas, the union between night and day, that's morning, and the union between day and night, that's evening. The two sandhyas are her clothing. She wears them as a garment. Oh, king, the moon is remembered as the mind of the mother of the three worlds. Horti, Vishnu, is I, 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 her began shakti, the power of applied knowledge. The, the Rudra, Shiva, is remembered as the ultimate cause. Rimarasru, Prayate, who takes away the tears. Horses and all the other animals are situated in her hips, and the great lower regions such as Atal, Bital, Palitalital, Tonatol, etc., are the regions from her waist downwards. Sorry, guys, I haven't spent much time there in the last couple of incarnations. I can't remember the seven levels of hell. <laughs> the gods became paralyzed upon beholding this great form. Stumbling. Mesmerized. She was wearing a garland consisting of thousands of rays of light. Her tongue was hanging out, just like Kali, <laughs> exposing her sharp, gleaming teeth. Fire filled her eyes as she held various weapons in her hands like a great warrior, overpowering even Brahmins and Kshatriyas. She has thousands of heads, thousands of eyes, and thousands of feet as well. Uh, she is just like the Arpurusha Shukta. She, she, you can't measure the infinity of Maya. And the form of Maya also. Maharok, the Birat. It is Birat for a reason. <laughs> you can't measure it. She radi radiates the illumination of 10 million suns and 10 million flashes of lightning. When the gods beheld that terrifying appearance, their hearts were agitated. <laughs> and they began to utter cries of consternation. Their hearts trembled and they became unconscious. The memory fled from them that this is the mother of the perceivable universe. <laughs> what are you going to remember when you look at such a farm? How can you remember? Then the Vedas filled the four directions with their great manifestation, bestowing knowledge upon the gods from unconsciousness they were made conscious. Then the entire heavens were filled with the excellent sounds of worship performed with the tears of love completely filling their eyes and their throats choked with feeling with streams of tears flowing, those voices uttered songs of prayer, Deva Uchu. And the gods said, Oh, mother, 
forgive all of our faults and protect those in distress, for all have been born from you. Withdraw your anger, O Supreme of the Gods. We are filled with fear to see this form. This is terrifying. I can't measure the limits of infinity. It's scary. How can we sing praises to you when even you yourself cannot measure your limits? What could be said? How can we sing to you? You're everywhere. I'm afraid the form behind me will become offended if I sing to the form in front of me. Only your own self has knowledge of how much is this force of transformation. What words of praise can be spoken by those who have manifested from you? We bow down to you, the supreme of existence. We bow down to you, the soul of the pranab, Om. We bow down, you, you are the one who is the perfection of Vedanta, the ultimate wisdom, the ant of Ved. <coughs> we bow down to you, the divine image of the Bija Mantra, Green. senses, all that be conceived in the mind, all that can be known through intuition or meditation and beyond the perfection, the sound of an atom, anuswar, all the perfection of every perception is maya. From whence fire has its origins, as well as the sun and the moon, from whence arises all vegetation, therefore we bow down to the universal soul of all. From whence all the gods have taken birth, all divine or celestial beings, birds, beasts, and men, and therefore we bow down to the universal soul of all. The vital breaths, prana and apana, grains of rice and barley, purifying austerities, faith, truth, sacred studies, and the rules of conduct. Therefore, we bow down to the universal soul of all. From whence originate the seven forms of life, the seven kinds of offering, the seven sacred fires, and the seven lokas or planes of existence. We talked about the sevens. Therefore, we bow down to the universal soul of all. From whence come forth the oceans, the mountains, the rivers, all vegetation, and the tastes of all things. And therefore, we bow down to the universal soul of all. From whence originates sacrifice, diksha, initiation, obstructions, offerings of respect to teachers and gurus, the rig, yajur, and samavedas. Therefore, we bow down to the universal soul of all. We bow down to your front and to your back. We bow down to both of your sides, above and below, and in all four directions. Mother of the universe, Namo, Namah. We bow, we bow. O supreme of the gods, please withdraw this incarnation. 
incomparable, infinite form and show us the form most beautiful among the beautiful. Just, just show us yourself as you are normally in the kitchen, <laughs> cooking for everybody <laughs> and blessing everybody and giving everyone tilakin and charnavit. Just show us that form. That individual form. Oh! The most beautiful of the beautiful. And therefore, we bow down to the universal soul. And Bias said, Thus seeing that the gods were filled with alarm, the mother of the universe, the ocean of grace, withdrew her fearful form and showed a most beautiful appearance. <coughs> In her, two of her hands she held a noose or a, a net, an implement of bondage often a snake, uh, and a, a goad or a curved sword, and the other two hands showed the mudras granting boons and dispel all fear. Her body was soft and gentle, her eyes were filled with kindness, while her face was adorned with a beautiful smile. She was wearing a yellow sari with a red border. <laughs> And her beautiful, delighted smile and laughter filled the atmosphere with delight. Seeing that beautiful form, all distress was removed. With all consciousness filled with peace, the gods bowed down to her with great delight. Om Namo Mahamaya Shrima. Iti Panchamam Abhyaya. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. Let's see if there are any questions tonight. Please. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika Ma. In verse 12, yes. I support all that is supported. What does this mean exactly? Must we assure the proper support around ourselves so we are assured of divine support? How do we do that? Ambika, she is the support of all that is supported. Are you supported? In some ways you are. In many ways you are. She is supporting you. She, she is your support. If anything is supported in the three worlds, she's doing it. Not us. It's not that you have to search for another means of support. It's that you have to recognize that she is supporting you. And then you can search for ways to remove her burden and eliminate the necessity for her to pay attention to you because she's got to pay attention to the rest of us too. <laughs> the more weight I can take off her plate, the greater I empower her to support everything that's got to be supported. So my goal will be to remove from her the necessity to look after little old me because I'm going to try and take care of myself and let her support everything anyway. I know it's her grace that allows my support. So therefore, I bow down to the universal soul of all. Please. In verse 22 it says, Knowing the wish of the gods, she showed, her, she showed them her imperceivable form, 
And then in verse 23, it says, they saw the great goddess in the highest and greatest perceivable form. I'm not sure why it's first it's imperceivable, then it's perceivable. How um... Her form is not perceptible. It is not capable of being perceived by anyone without her grace. Maharlok is the infinite expanse of all that has been created or that all that can come into manifestation. You can't see it with these eyes. Obviously not. But then she said, okay, I'm going to let you see it. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys see it because of your devotion, because of your, your attentiveness, because of the sincerity of your worship. I'm going to let you see it. Now you you're not going to see it with these eyes. So forget that. But you can perceive it. You can grok it. You can understand it. You can know it through intuitive cognition. So go ahead and see. And tell me if you still want to look at it. <laughs> yes, please, honey. Swamiji, here when the gods saw Divine Mother's form, same as Arjuna when he saw Krishna, why is that... Uh, Alarm, that fear. Oh, when we move into Samadhi, every time there is a voice that comes and says, Stop! Wait a minute! If you go there, do you know that you're going to come back? What's going to happen to you if you go there? Into Samadhi. It's, you're, up, you're approaching the precipice. Are you sure you want to go over? <laughs> How will you get back? How will you come back? What will you come back to? And suddenly the ego starts shouting. Stop! Stop! This is terrifying! I, I want to go into Samadhi. Yes, you, your consciousness does, your heart does, your soul does. You've been working towards it for years and years and lifetimes together. And then when you get to approach it, the ego says, wait! <laughs> if you go there, that could very well spell the death of me. And if my, if your ego dies, if I go, what's going to happen to you? What's your future? What, what about all that's near and dear to you? What about your lo the loves of your life? What about all the attachments that you have? Where are they going to go? If you don't have an ego, poof, gone, stop, don't do that. Only people who are totally renounced want to do that. Only people who just don't care if they come back, they want to do that. Only people who don't even have a thought for coming back want to do that. Think about what you're doing. This is scary stuff. <laughs> That's the fear. That it happens invariably to every sadhu every time we approach that precipice of going into infinite consciousness. And one side of us says, go, go for it, Swan. <laughs> go a little farther. You can do it, man. And the other side says, hey, wait a minute. 
minute. What about Shreema? What about what about the website? What about, what about the books and the and the temple? And you got to take care of the ashram, and you've got to and, and stop. Now we've got to be very formidable to win that debate, and that's why it's scary. It is totally terrifying. Mm -hmm. You've just got to let go and let God. You've got to let go with such conviction that you can just totally rely on God. She'll bring me back to whatever she wants to bring me back to or she won't bring me back. <laughs> uh, in the Kila Kastav, there is a puja encoded between the lines which says give everything you've got to God and don't keep anything for yourself. And most of us who do that puja say, well, I'm loaning it to you for the time of the puja. Because <laughs> when the puja is going to be done, I'll take back what's mine. But in order to really do the puja, we've got to put everything there on the altar and say it's all yours and if you don't want to give it back to me it's cool with me <laughs> it's fine with me if you don't want to give it back to me so I did this puja one time in Rishikesh and I put my passport I put my money I put my traveler's checks I put the credit card I put that every piece of paper I had with my name on it put it on the altar and sat down and started doing the puja I couldn't get past the date top round I sat, I got up, I walked around, and I sat down again. I got up to the sun coat. Something was wrong, I couldn't sit down. Got up a third time, I walked around the room, and I remembered. <gasps> and my mind somehow was attracted to a book. I had a lot of books. I used to be a bookworm in my older days. And it, I, there was a book. On the, in the bookshelf. And uh, suddenly my mind was just drawn like Mr. Mag Magnet Man. And it was magnetically attracted to this one book. And I went to the bookshelf and I pulled out the book and I opened it up and there was a five rupee note. <laughs> and I closed the book, put it back, and took the five rupee note, put it on the shelf, and sat down and did the puja and said, Mom, if you are gracious to me, I don't want any prasad from this puja. Don't give it back. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> but I tried. <laughs> that was the sankalpa, that was the goal, that was the objective. And I tried. And I hope to try again as soon as somebody will take over the Devi Mandir. I hope to try again, because the only way we can go is by giving it all to her with the prayer that she gives it away someplace else. Not saying, okay, I'm going to loan you this stuff for the purpose of this puja, and then take it back when the puja's done. It's really mine all the time. That's the fear. And when we can overcome that fear, we get the experience a being with her. And once we have that experience, things change. The, vol the validity of any spiritual experience is the change that it makes in our lives because of the having the experience. And believe me, it, it changed for me. 
so that my goal was to do a bigger Putin and bigger play and a nicer puja and a greater chanting and a bigger yagya and, a, and more of spiritual and less of all the nuts and bolts that it takes uh, to administrate a regular life. So as a, being a great comedian, she sent me back to America to build an ashram and become the administrator of the ashram. <laughs> chee, chee, chee. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda Ma. What does it mean to live without an ego? How will life look without an ego? Thank you. <laughs> it's, you know, you can't really describe it. It's nifty, nifty. But it sure is. Even for the few minutes that you can remain in that state, Nanda, it's really anamba. It's really full of bliss. I mean, it's, it's just that everything is me. And I am everywhere. And I love me. I'm having a good time with me. And I don't need anything to entertain me. I can just look at myself in every form of existence. And I don't have to watch the movie or watch the boob tube or watch. I, I got enough to, of a drama to watch just looking outside. It's hard to describe Nanda. All I've talked about for all these years is what I did in order to pursue that perception. And when you get there, all the Rishi said, Nithi, Nithi. And believe me, I don't think I can top that one. We have a question from Papia in Delaware. Namaste, Papia. Sabaloase. <laughs> I am the intrinsic nature of all things. From this perspective, how do we explain people indulge in sick and even pasichik behaviors? Uh, Papia, there, the, you are the soul of all. You are the infinite consciousness, the maya. You are not the performer of their karma. Their karma is being performed according to, to their sanskaras and their bhasanas, which is bhyakti. Every individual has his or her own sanskara their own tendencies to manifest behavior in a certain way. So now, when you look at them, don't look at their, what behavior they're manifesting, look at the soul within the container. And that thou art. Tat tvama asi. Yes, we have a question from Jema James. Namaste, James. The view, I am not the doer, does this mean I am not the one who accomplishes good? but I'm the one who is responsible for my foolish actions and activities? <laughs> Boy, you're a hard boss to work for. Actually, joy <laughs> It means that I am not the doer. I am the, the servant of circumstances. I am trying to apply the most appropriate response to the circumstance of life so that we can evolve the greatest outcome which benefits the most amount of people. I'm striving for harmony. I'm not the doer. She is the doer, but I'm going to help her out a little bit to the extent of my capacity. 
It means I'm not bound to the action. I'm not, I am liberated in action. I'm not bound to the fruits of the action. I'm not hankering from, for certain results or certain desired attributes. I am trying to do the best I can to serve you. And realizing that I'm only trying to serve you, you please forgive all my faults. Yes, please. In verse 32, it mentions uh, that uh, youth and, uh, and mid-age and old age are the, her best positions. What exactly does best positions mean? Oh, it means those are the, 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 the ages of her life of transformation that we can define. She's in childhood, and then she's in youth, and then she's in old age. And she is present in ring, clean, past, present, future, srishti, stiti, loy. In every form, she is present in there. Those are her best positions, definable positions. We can see when the child changes suddenly. I, I looked at Mike the other day. I couldn't believe that the childhood had changed into youth and we had changed into old age. <laughs> and that's what happens when you look at the best positions. <laughs> Those are definable positions. They're, they're quantifiable positions. I can see the progress. I can see the change. I see the transformation. That's what it indicates. We have a question from Joshua. Namaste, Joshua. What does this, the Shukla and Krishna Paksha mean in the puja? How do I know which one to do? Uh, the Shukla is the waxing moon. So when the moon is growing, it, it is Shukla Paksha. And that is from the first day of the lunar month until the Purnima, the full moon. And when the moon is waning and it's getting smaller and smaller, today is Amavasya. And today is the no moon, where the moon has completely disappeared, and that's the Krishna Paksha. It's the dark fortnight, so that uh, you can't see anything without a flashlight. <laughs> yes, please. We have a question from Kyle in Los Angeles. Namaste, Kyle. Namaste, Samantha. Does the spiritual aspirant ever feel ready to go into samadhi? Does the fear ever become less crippling? Kyle, it's not like you're ready, but you really want to try. It's not like you can will it to happen, but you really want to create the circumstances conducive to it happening. It's not like, I'm going to make this happen, so it's like, Mom, I'm just going to pay so much attention to you and so much love and so much focus and so much energy towards you that it, Ma one day will say, you're ready. <laughs> and then there's no conversation, there's no negotiation, she just takes you. <laughs> and she keeps you for as long as she chooses to keep you and it feels like an eternity. No matter how long you're there, if you're there for five minutes or five hours, it doesn't make any difference. You could be there for five days, it feels the same. I just saw the infinite. And I became one with her. And I merged with her. And it doesn't matter if I did it for one minute or five minutes or five days. or, or It was an eternity. 
So that when, when Indra came to Horish Chandra and said, okay, we're going to give you the privilege to go to heaven. And Horish Chandra said, I'm the king of the nation and I can't go to heaven without my entire kingdom. And Indra said, what do you mean you can't go to heaven without your entire kingdom? Some of your people are poppy, some are tappy, some are good, some are bad, some are useless, some are worthless. Everybody, is, most of them are in the middle. Horis Chandra said, take all the punya that I have earned and spread it all throughout the kingdom. And whoever needs more, take more of my punya. And whoever needs less, come along with us anyway. Whoever wants to go and spend one day in heaven. Indra said, okay, I can go for that. <laughs> so they went back to Ayodhya and they took all the punya from Horis Chandra the king and they said, oh citizens. Who wants to go to heaven? And some people said, oh, I have uh, my attachments here. I don't want to go to heaven. I want to stay with my world. I want to, don't, don't worry, no compulsion. You just stay here, right here. Whoever wants to go, take as much punya as you need and the whole, all of us, the whole bunch of us will spend one day in heaven. So that's what they did. And wow. What a day it was. How do you win? How, how they win? <laughs> oh, uh, they, they went by airplane, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they took an airplane from the airport. <laughs> but in those days, there was no security. So <laughs> no TSA. So they just all got on the plane and they, they got out there. <laughs> they went up to heaven for the day. Yeah, yeah. No passport, no visa, not, nothing. Just got on the plane. Anyone who wanted to take a sandwich could take the sandwich on the plane. Huh? No problem. They all got on the plane. They went for whoop, right up to heaven. Yes, please. Does the process of letting go of your fear and, and sur surrendering into samadhi become easier as you do it your first time, second time, or, or is it, does it depend on what you're attached to? Oh, it definitely depends on your attachments. However, after the first time you've done it, the second time becomes, well, I don't want to stop. I want to go there more than I want to be here. And the attachments become less and less and less until she whacks you over the head or in the backside and says, okay, now you're going to become the manager of Srimas Ashram. And then you work day and night and say, gee, I'd rather be in somebody. But you get the privilege of serving Srima. And you get the privilege of serving her community and satsang. And thereby you earn greater merit so that you get to go again. Mm -hmm. The time will come when she frees me <laughs> from these administrative responsibilities. And then... <laughs> I hope to sit under that tree we made down there 30 years ago and ascend. Yes, please. We have a question from Elijah in Seattle. Namaste, Elijah Baba. How exactly do we offer our desires to the goddess? Is it more of a renunciation of our attachment to our desires or a mental offering to the goddess? Thank you. Elijah, it is neither. It is more a focus on the goddess. Om Ring Gurbe Namaha. 
I'm giving to you and I'm thinking about you and I'm offering to you and you are the substance and the substratum of all of my thoughts and all of these desires have dissolved. I can't think of them right now because I am otherwise engaged. I'm busy thinking about you. The, all the other thoughts are automatically offerings because I'm thinking about you. Where do the thoughts go? I'm not saying, hey, take on the push pay, oh, I hope I win the lottery. Hey, take on the push pay, oh, I hope I do well on my exam. Hey, take on the push pay, oh, I hope I get a good job. Hey, take on the push pay, if I got rich and famous and had lots of wine and women and, and fun things to do, wouldn't I be regarded as successful by my peers? No, it's saying, hey, take on the push pay, you are the substance of my life. I make this offering to you and to you alone. I can think of no other than you. And that will be the puja. Not the distracted puja. I gotta do this. Swami said, I can't live in the ashram until I give up all the flowers on the altar. <laughs> Swami said I should do this every day before I go to school and then Saraswati will help me with my homework. Swami, it's not that. It's not a barter. It's not a bargain. It's not a, a transaction. Give up our transactional minds and give her yourself and she will take all the other desires away from you. That's my experience, Elijah. Yes, please. You were saying there is only, well, the text was saying there's only one Ishwar. Yes. But there's multiple devas. Yes. Are the devas forms through which Ishwar is expressed? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're shining. They're illuminated beings. They're enlightened. <laughs> They're illuminated with light and they, they reflect this light and their divine qualities. All the time they're filled with illumination. So they, the devas are reflecting the illumination of Ishwar. And they create the inspiration and they create the, uh, the, uh, the energy with which we try to follow their examples. Because that's just what they do. They give us an example of illumination and they give us an example of purity and clarity and perfection in every aspect of our lives and if we can imbibe inculcate those examples into our own lives then we become divine as they became divine and that's why we worship the devas that's why we worship the guru she sets an example to bring us to another guru who brings us an example of one-pointed meditation puts us in the yantra and then we offer to the yantra we go beyond the yantra we go beyond the duality we go beyond the murti until we become one with the deva and we go beyond the deva until we become one with ishwar and then we get to see maya Yes, please. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika. Please forgive my ignorance, but can you please explain why in so many scriptures there's a long list of qualities in the different parts of the body? What do we gain from this information? Ambika, every time you look inside yourself and find another pure quality, 
you recognize that you are the substance just as Maya is the substance. Uh, you are the substance upon which all the qualities depend. And you can keep within yourself only the pure qualities. You become the reflector. Though she who radiates pure qualities, she who never leaves her center, she who manifests perfection in every circumstance of every action in life, you are always acting from compassion and love and from your center, and you're not thrown off balance by anybody. And that's why we read the, the list of pure qualities that exist within you because you wear them. You wear it, honey. <laughs> so then you have to reflect it. You have to act as though you have control over all those qualities that you're wearing. Maharaj, when I think about the pure qualities, isn't it this attachment? No. Mother, when we step on a thorn, we need another thorn to help dig out the first thorn. Mm -hmm. When that thorn comes out, we throw them both away. When we proceed towards Nirgun, we need Satyagun. We need the pure qualities in order to uh, get closer and closer to the Samyavasta, where we become the, 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 the situation of equilibrium. We are situated in equilibrium, Samyavasta. And then that Samyavasta, that equilibrium, allows us to become Nirgun, without qualities, beyond qualities. So, Ultimately, you will become nirgun. You are nirgun. But ultimately, we will come become pure qualities. We will call, become sattagun. And then the satya will of its own self yield into nirguna. Remember, there were three thieves. Uh, they came upon a traveler walking down the road. The, 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 the first one said, this guy's of no use to us. Let's kill him. Steal all his value. The second thief said, uh, oh, no need to kill the guy. Let's just tie him up and bind him and, and throw him in a ditch. And, and then that's what they decided to do. <coughs> they took all the valuables and ran away. And the third thief got a little distance away from the incident and he said, gee, I feel badly about that poor guy. Oh, bruised and beaten and all his valuables stolen and now he's bound and tethered and thrown in a ditch and he said you guys go on ahead I'm going back and he went back to that to that victim and he bandaged his wounds and he freed him from his bonds and he put him on his own horse and returned to him the wealth that he stole and he led the horse to, through the jungle to the highway and when they got outside on the highway the, the victim said to the thief you have been so kind to me why don't you come to my home and the thief said well the police will ask me why I was with the thieves in the first place I can't go to your home you go to your home yourself now, the first thief was Tamaguna. I don't have any need for this guy. Let's just kill him. 
The second thing was Rajaguna. Let's just steal all his stuff, tie him up, bind him, throw him in a ditch. The third thief was Satyaguna, who bandaged our wounds and freed us from our bonds, but he couldn't go home. He's still a thief. That Satyaguna can't go into the house. The police are going to come and say, what were you doing with the thieves in the first place? Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. <laughs>